Hello and welcome once again to our daily devotional podcast. Some of you may have found visualizing the narratives helpful. Others may have found it a bit more stressful because you keep changing passages and narratives every day. Well, if you find that the pace is way too fast, may I suggest that you just focus on one narrative, one story, whether it is Peter denying Christ or Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, or the trial, or the flocking, flogging, or crucifixion. Just focus on one narrative, spend perhaps the whole week thinking about it. Because there may be so much that you could gain or glean from just thinking through and meditating on one narrative. And as you do that, um, you could pray for God to reveal to you um, insights and then continue to think about it for the rest of the week, allowing God to show you even more insights into himself, into yourself. And then each time as you meditate, you just pray, Father, help me to learn more about you and help me also to learn more about myself. And I hope then that your understanding of God, understanding of Christ, and your understanding of yourself may be deepened. And not only just cognitively and intellectually understanding, but that it will also affect your hearts. So we continue, I will just continue with each day's um, narrative help you to visualize but at the same time I will share the previous day's uh, thoughts and perhaps give some one or two thoughts of my own so for today I want to share with you um, the narrative that affected me that I identified most with yesterday and that narrative is from the denial that Peter's denial of Jesus three times Peter denied Jesus once with the servants, another time when the soldiers asked him, the crowds asked him. I identified very much with that because, well, let me tell the story another way. Peter was known by his, his fellow disciples and perhaps even by himself as the one who loved Jesus the most. He was probably the most prominent of all the disciples. Peter dared to do what other disciples could not do. When he saw his master Jesus walking on water, he was the first and perhaps the only one who volunteered to jump into the sea and walk as Jesus did. Peter really believed that he could do as Jesus had done. That was exactly what Jesus wanted them to learn, to, med to imitate him, to learn from him. And hence Peter was by far the best student that Jesus had. Peter also had more insight than all the other disciples. When Jesus asked the disciples, Who do you say that I am? Only Peter answered, You are the Christ 
Son of the Living God. He was way ahead of his fellow disciples in knowing who Jesus was. Peter was also very protective of Jesus. When Jesus talked about him himself going to be crucified, Peter objected and said, I will not let don't let this happen to you, and if you were, I would follow you to the death. In fact, when Jesus was arrested by the guards, the Gospel of John records that it was Peter who took a sword and cut off the ear of one of the guards. So Peter really loved God, loved Jesus, and I think he believed it. Everyone who saw believed it. It was unthinkable that Peter would deny Jesus. Not once as maybe just an accident, but three times confirming that deep in his heart, he really wanted to protect himself and was prepared to deny his Lord. This moment of self-revelation, when he denied Jesus three times and then the cock crowed, perhaps was the most devastating moment for him as he realised what he was really inside. When he realised that his love for Jesus wasn't as solid as he had believed it to be, when he realised that his zeal and his courage was more hollow than he thought of himself, when he realised what he really was. And Jesus had to let Peter know this because both Peter and everyone else thought that he was solid as a rock. For us, for me, it is often the case as well, that often in my or our success in ministry, as we do very well in ministry, as people acknowledge the things that we do, and we are riding on the crest of ministerial ministry successes, it's easy to think that we are the ones who truly love Jesus very much. I believe Peter believed that too when he was involved in the ministry of Jesus, when he was sent out and he discovered that even the demons listened to them, that people whom he touched were healed. When he saw all the power of Jesus, he would have been intoxicated by all this success and thought then that he was solid, thought then that he was very much in love with Jesus with God. And sometimes we are so infatuated, so intoxicated with ministry successes that we fail to see who we are inside, really. But there are often telltale signs that show us what we are really like, despite our ministry successes, besides the appreciation that we receive from others. Some of these telltale signs will go like this. Are we impatient with people who are slower than we are? Whether they are slower drivers on the road, or whether they are slower to understand things, or whether they are slower in the ability to catch up with us. Are we impatient with these people? Are we defensive? 
when criticised, or contemptuous of people who do not agree with us, playing down their reasons, telling ourselves that perhaps their reasons are not as wise as mine? Do I easily fly into a rage when provoked, or cower when I'm pushed to a corner? If I were to ask myself, or we were to ask ourselves honestly, in these moments, how do we react? And they happen to us all the time. We are criticised often enough for the way we do our things, the way we live our lives. Do we then react defensively, angrily? Do we prefer to think about all the praises that we receive? while putting down or pushing aside the valid criticisms about ourselves. I think as we take our time to, to think through some of our actions, some of our reactions, we may be able to see telltale signs of who we are or what we are really on the inside. And these insights to our lives are far more important to us than the successes and the praises and the appreciation of the crowds. Because these are the things that help us to see what we really are like. Peter needed to see his failure, to realise that he was not as strong a Christian as he believed he was. And Jesus loved him nonetheless. My prayer for myself, my prayer for each of us, is that we may value, we may treasure some of these insights into our lives more than the praises and the successes that we receive in our work, in our ministry, the accolades that we have, which do not show who we are really deep inside. Because when we have insights into ourselves, when we are aware of what's going on in our lives, then we may allow God to transform us. It was only when Peter realized, discovered his own weakness and the hollowness of his love, that his love for Christ became real after the resurrection, that he could be found useful to God. Otherwise, he would just be a hot air balloon, looking like he loved Jesus very much, while not really, truly loving Christ. If we were to allow our self-insights to reveal to us what we really are, then we can also allow the Holy Spirit to transform us one bit at a time. Well, those are my insights about Peter and his denial of Christ. I hope then that each of you also will receive insights or identify with some of these characters, some of these events that over the Holy Week. Let me now read to you another event from Matthew chapter 27, verse 1 to 10. Matthew 27, 1-10 Once again, I invite you to shut your eyes 
find a quiet spot where you'll not be interrupted. Get in touch with your feelings. And then let's pray. Father, even as we now listen to another narrative of what happened that night, we ask that you seal these scenes in our minds, allow our minds our creativity to visualize and to follow these events. And then, Lord, as we carry them with us, these thoughts with us throughout the day and throughout the night, will you speak to us, revealing to us yourself, revealing to us ourselves. We ask then, Lord, that perhaps even as we look at the, f the plight and the fate of Judas Iscariot, as we see his desperation, we may also understand some of the warnings that you give to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay then, let's start by imagining again, visualizing this incident of Judas Iscariot. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. wonder how you feel as you visualize this story. Perhaps if you could put your play, your, yourself into Judas's place. Do you feel his despair, his deep remorse? Do you feel that hopelessness of what he did? Could he have turned around, I wonder? Judas went straight on to give up hope on himself. But we also are angered and raged by the callousness, by the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the chief priests, the leaders of the people. They continue to follow the law, to obey the law, and yet we sense that heartlessness in the things that they did. They were officious. They did things 
that seemed right and correct. They didn't want to transgress God's law. But all of it seems so hypocritical, so heartless, so wicked. And yet they could not see the wickedness because they had followed, they had obeyed the law to the T. Wonder if you've been in such a situation where those who seem so righteous actually so wrong, so cruel, so heartless. Have you been in a situation like this? Or could you can you see yourself as one of the leaders too? Doing things that are right and correct and politically good and yet showing no pity to those who are desperate for salvation, desperate for way out, desperate for redemption. I wonder if you're filled with indignation as you read this story. But let me read it once again and try to visualize it. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. Now I just want to leave with you a caveat. Judas saw no hope for his life. And he killed himself. And yet Jesus says, Jesus taught that whatever blasphemy there is, whatever blasphemy there is against Jesus, there is forgiveness, there is pardon. And so there is nowhere, no sin except the sin of the continued hardness of hearts that will not be forgiven. I want to urge you then that you need not follow the way of Judas Iscariot. If you have perhaps committed sins so grievous, do remember that there is still redemption for you. Judas was in despair. He lost hope. But you don't have to lose hope like he does. Because Jesus provides redemption even for that. We think of King David, David who took the wife of another, who then sentenced the husband to sent her husband into the heat of the battle and killed him. Yet even then there was pardon and there was redemption for one like David. This is a call for repentance, but a warning, a very stern warning too for those who may be 
about to succumb to temptation, please do not do that. Because you may, after you have committed that sin, you may be so filled with despair, hopelessness, that you don't want to, you no longer can repent. I urge you then, take this as a warning. But also, if you have sinned, find belief that God still provides a way out for you. But do spend time, perhaps, thinking of this narrative. Perhaps it may be God speaking to you about something. Well, let us pray now. Father, we read and we can imagine the despair, the anguish that Judas experienced when he discovered how grievous his sin was. We pray, Lord, that even when we have committed grievous sin against you, that we may not fall into despair, but you will deliver us and assure you us that there is redemption even for the worst of sinners. And yet, God, for some it may be a warning that we may not enter into sin such as this. But Father, we ask then that whichever narrative we spend time meditating on, that you speak to each of us. But God, you help each of us to focus on various narratives and that as we do so, that, Lord, you will reveal much of yourself to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, we are coming close to Good Friday. Oh, we will not have devotions on Good Friday. Um, just, um, an up, just an update. Um, come for the Good Friday service. I've entitled that service the eulogy. It is like in a in a wake service or funeral service when we think back of the things that Jesus did. We think of that part of um, part of his life. It will be very much scripture reading, responsive reading, reading in unison, and then we will have um, hymns, and we will reenact. The Last Supper just by reading it and then taking the communion but without all the rituals do come and join us and I pray then that you'll be richly ministered to at that service um, there won't be any sermon it will just be a lot of readings and a lot of singing well then hope to see you on Friday but the next two days do spend time reflecting and have good times of self-reflection. God bless you and goodbye.